episode 81 of the Get Around Podcast. Excited to be back in the studio, and uh, we have an additional guest host filling in today. It is not 7 and 4 Harrison Beebe, as Surprisingly. Our, as our audible viewers have grown accustomed to, but rather Trevor City West football coach Greg Vaughn. Greg, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, James Cook, as usual. Jake Atnip, as usual. And uh, we've got Greg here because we want to have a bit of a discussion about all the recent changes that were announced this week in regards to, uh, well, a number of MHSAA sports, how they seed certain uh, playoffs, uh, chief among those uh, changes. But before we jump right into that and uh, the rundown of the rest of the show, I want to give James a little grief, and hopefully you guys will piggyback on top of him and make him feel the weight because uh, I will take onus first that I am not caught up on Game of Thrones currently. That is my fault. I started a rewatch, which I think we've talked about on this podcast before. Even when you weren't here, we gave you yeah, plenty and, of and crap it, about right, it. Right, and it's been talked about while I've been gone. I take responsibility for not being caught up yet. But leading into last night's episode, I had heard some rumors that Aaron Rodgers may or may not be on that episode leading in. So that itself wasn't a surprise when James texted me this morning and even though knowing I don't like any kind of spoiler, says, hey, Aaron Rodgers was on Game of Thrones. So it's just like, yeah, I kind of thought that might be happening. A lot of people thought maybe that was not true or wasn't real. Um, but then he goes, well, here's the role. That, no spoilers. He prefaced his text. No spoilers. Here's the role he played. That's a spoiler, James. And he said he was a soldier. Yeah, that's a spoiler. Don't you? You got to you know where to look for him, man. Because it doesn't really look really? like Aaron Rodgers. Keep you, on don't, you don't think I'd find him, James? Just keep spoiling it, James. Oh, what's he wearing? How many people does he kill? Oh, he's a soldier. He's wearing armor. How many people does he yeah. kill? Or does he die? Does Aaron Rodgers die like everybody else in the show? You want me to tell you? Would you really want, if you if you were in my situation, would you really want that to happen, Jake? I No, I, 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 no, I have no remorse for your situation. Why? Zero. Because I've put myself in a different situation in which these mean nothing to me. <laughs> so I can deal with them. Greg, don't you think that's a little uh, out of bounds? I don't know. I imagine they probably use his arm a little bit in the, uh, in the show. No. Oh yeah. See, now we're throwing him off the scent. He actually throw. He he is a catapult. Oh yeah. Okay. He, they they turned him into a catapult. <laughs> he he launches fiery balls over the castle walls. Well, okay. He launches Randall Cobb at a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> while well, you may while well, you may be taking uh, joy in James's spoilers, you do agree though that him saying. No I, spoiler, I think, and then saying yes. what role he plays, that that was a spoiler. A bit, but even coming from the outside, I saw Aaron Rodgers' Instagram post after the fact, and it's quite obvious the man was just an extra, so it's not really a spoiler. I, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers in any way was integral to the storyline. It was more or less no, making a celebrity. That's what I'm saying, more or less a celebrity cameo. So yeah. we had this conversation and talked about Game of Thrones. Like so I don't was, I wouldn't say it's a spoiler. At least he, like if you would have said, Yeah, Aaron Rodgers dies at the end, that's a spoiler. Or he kills someone. But like but I mean, but like what what's the what's the name of the, the lady who plays the main character? I don't know Which the character. Sh- who knows? The Dragon Queen. That's all I don't know what her name is. Amelia Clark. Yeah, see what if he said, Oh, Amelia Clark was in this episode? That doesn't give anything away. Yes, what role did she play? The dragon usually, layer. That's because she's usually in the show. It doesn't though. give anything away. Well, the guard was in an episode. And, and, too, and I guess perhaps, I guess perhaps my definition of spoiler is a it's a spoiler because, because it's your it's your Green Bay Packer and your favorite show that you want. So it would have been great to be no, surprised. no, because because James has done this before too, where he'll just <laughs> he'll he'll pick a little sub point and 
yes, I agree with you, not crucial to the overall arc of the show. But in my opinion, letting someone know ahead of time anything they didn't already know is a spoiler. But so, so you said you already knew that yeah, Aaron Rodgers was on there. You and your you little. But green, I didn't know in what role he was playing. So your little green be bay, extra. All your little green bay. You've seen him on those State Farm commercials. Do you think he's going to be an award-winning actor? <laughs> yes. Yes. Please, I need two policies, please. No, but... Uh, Are you caught up on Game of Thrones? Uh, I am, and I'll tell you what. Until about two weeks ago, I hadn't seen a single episode and then just fired through them. Oh, my gosh. Read some article and got interested. He's in not been watching a whole lot of film the last boom. two weeks. My wife's happy. I'm, I'm caught up so that... Uh, you guys can I'm actually talk? Watching. Yeah, we actually talk. So. That's, in, that's an incredible amount of episodes. It, it was committed. It was, it was, it, that's over 100 hours, isn't it? It? I don't know if it's that much. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, aren't, they like, aren't they like ten episodes <laughs> a season? Yeah, ten episodes each, the first six, then and seven and seven. And, and these are like, and aren't these like the ones? In, aren't they like two hours long or something? These episodes? They haven't actually been that long, have they? An hour, oh, hour and a half, hour and twenty. We're, we're closing yeah. in on a hundred hours. The first, like, I think the first two episodes of the season were like just an hour. Yeah. Kinda, then, they, then you ramped up to being, and all the rest of them have been an hour. And that kind of eases my worries because okay. that means that I spent like more time on like Breaking Bad. Cause like that had like over a hundred hours of content. They didn't catch my attention fast enough to keep me watching. Oh man! Oh, that that was my problem. That, I, I give shows so little time that I was yeah. like, okay, I gotta watch this. Gotta get through as many as I yeah, can. Yeah, everybody. I, I think it's just like I think I learned my lesson with The Office because I could not like when I first started watching The Office, everybody was all into it, and like I just couldn't get into it. Like the humor just didn't get to me. And then like one weekend, I was just like in my bed. I watched the whole first season, and then it was like game over i've watched that show like six times now but like <laughs> that <laughs> every time just the first season no just, time. Just, no i know i watched the whole thing the, the other it doesn't show, get better than that i'm not i'm not i'm kind of embarrassed to admit it but i actually just finished it again this past weekend for the second time as trailer park boys i don't know if anybody's ever seen that one i don't even know what that is well yeah i only know from the memes i'm telling y'all if you guys want to watch a show and just be thoroughly astounded at every turn you watch that show it's astounded by stupidity. Yes, correct? no, I mean like <laughs> I haven't. Yes, no, like that's it's literally the See, most. James knows more than no, me. I like I have no like, idea what you're like, talking about. This is like I, I literally I've said to myself before. I think I've lost brain cells by watching that show, but I'm every single time that that show comes on, I'll get like nine episodes done, and I'll go back and be like, I don't even remember what I watched, but you're laughing the whole time because they put them the situations that they get into. Or the things that they do, like they'll just like they'll have drinks and there's just one this one scene where they wake up inside of Ricky's car because that's where he lives in his car, and they're all passed out. And then the one guy walks up and he hands them a drink. He's like, "Hey boys, we're gonna celebrate." And one of the cup, the one guy's holding a glass, and then he hands the two buddies the cups. One of them is the chopped off bottom of a two liter with like this much rum and coke, and then he hands Ricky a freaking dog bowl to drink out of, and you're just like. I just think about the writers. They wrote the show. They must have had to see it. No, no, no. But listen, no. No, but this is the type of thing I'm saying. Maybe a couple times. Yeah, yeah, twice. It's a lot funnier the second time around. No, but these people had to live. They they couldn't just write these situations. They had to like, they have to live like this in order to think like this. There's no way that you could come up with this trash, whatever it is, without actually being a part of it. So like, highly recommend Trailer Park Boys. You might lose a few brain cells in the process, but... I, I can pretty much promise you right now this there's, won't be something I'll be worse, watching. Trust me, there's worse <laughs> ways to spend, what was it, 12 seasons worth of watching? Yeah, I well, did not know how I got back into it. That show's been there on that long. Oh, man. That that show was like, 
Yeah, that that was Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones in Canada. Did you not know that? They're a bunch of Canadian trailer park boys. It's, it's, you ever see Letterkenny? Yeah. Yeah. Those Canucks out there, they're pretty funny. That, I, one, I that f- one's pretty humorous. I feel like James in last week's episode when you went on your Pokemon cards rant. <laughs> Because I am so lost and confused right now. Uh, just give it a try. Right. Letterkenny is also about Canadian hicks. So, just, just try it. All right. Rapid fire. For all of those out there, script. Go, go, just go watch Trailer Park Boys and relax. That's the best thing about it is you don't have to actually like watch it. You don't have to be invested. <laughs> so you can just watch it and it's still just like, how am, this, how am I watching something so dumb? But then another episode comes on and you just... Keep on watching it. All right. Letterkenny is pretty... I think Letterkenny is similar. Letterkenny has a whole character, but you never see. He's only in the... He's in a stall in the john in a hockey locker room, and he's supposed to be on the team, and they're always screams. talking to him when he's in the john. <laughs> all right, well, uh, for all your, all your Canadian humor needs, come to me and James. James and I. All right, well, before we dive into our discussion over the MHSA rules... Uh, Throughout the rest of the show, we've got an interview that James and Jake did uh, early Monday with uh, Kingsley standout J.C. King, and uh, standout might be yeah getting an understatement. getting a little bit of a play-by-play of the interview here um, in our pre-show fistfight. You guys um, are pretty amazed. By I was yeah, I was thoroughly impressed by this lady's schedule and the way that she's able. This is you'll hear this in the in the interview, but has eleven varsity letters over mm-hmm. her high school career. Has played five different varsity sports. She's the president. That's, not, that's barely happening. No, yeah, and I will just. She's the president of student council. The president of NHS is in four or five clubs. AP, like, it's incredible. She gave us a look at her calendar, and James and I both were like, jaws dropped to the floor. Straight and, up, and has played five different sports on the varsity level. Yeah, like it's impressive. Two at the same time right now. She's doing track and soccer currently, where she splits time going to track from three to four p.m. and then soccer from four to five thirty before all of her other stuff. She has AP calculus test tomorrow. The only other level of dedication I've heard of so far today that matches that is Greg watching a seventy-seven yeah, episodes right. of Game of Thrones in two weeks. Yeah, if we're, we're going to quote, if we're going to quote JC in the interview, and what, what did she say? She said, "If you really want it that bad, you're going to do it." Uh, yeah, two, two shining examples, but it was a great interview, and was honestly amazed by what that girl's capable of. We'll have another uh, quick look at an app tweet of the week. Not sure where that's coming from yet today. I'm sure James has a good one picked out. Uh, the latest class of nominees for the Get Around Hall of Fame and the trifecta. But back to the MHSA, uh, they announce sweeping changes across the board. And those changes were announced on Wednesday. James had the story in Thursday's uh, edition of the Record Eagle. Uh, but some of the biggest changes being the playoff point system in football as well as uh, seeding. Uh, districts in basketball, at least the top two seeds. Uh, James, before we... Uh, oh, and soccer. They're seeding soccer, that's too. That's right. Uh, bef- before we get uh, Greg's perspective on a bunch of this, you having done all the legwork and putting the story together, just what was a number one that jumped out to you as either controversial or crucial or just what people in general are going to like most about what the MHSA is trying to do when these changes go into effect in 2020. I think the biggest change is that teams can't just play to win six games. In football. In football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what teams could do before. I mean, you know, if somebody played in a weak conference, you could win six games in your conference and 
and get in, or you can schedule some cupcakes out of conference and hope to go 500 in your conference and get in. Uh, and get, that's not yeah. going to be the case anymore. No, and I mean, getting rid of that, it's it's definitely, I think it's been a point of contention over the last few years, especially, you know, there was those teams that got in at five and four because you were eligible with five wins, um, which now you're eligible. That's not going to happen. But no, but now that, that can happen with how your schedule plays out. It depends right, on how, it really just matters your strength of schedule. And I think that is really what the biggest deal is, is yeah, you get rid of the automatic bids, but even if you kind of kept the automatic bids and you still only had, you know, top 32 teams and playoff points, whatever, I feel like the that is going to up the quality of play. It's going to up the quality of opponent, and it's going to increase the actual skill level of the teams that are playing in these conferences or out of the conferences with better teams because they have to win these games. They have to play these bigger, better schools in order to guarantee themselves a shot because, I mean, if we're even talking about even the Big North Conference, it's not near a guarantee that you're making it out un- or clean, you know, unscathed every year. You have to make sure you have quality non-conference opponents who are going to win and who are going to, you know, you can beat and who's going to win and gain you points on the back end. And I think that really helps everybody with, I don't, I don't know about scheduling, we'll, we'll hear about that in a second, but I think at least on, on the look towards <clears throat> it, you say this is, this is a good thing because for football in itself, I feel like it makes more sense, and it also puts the best teams into the postseason. Is this what yeah. you wanted, Greg? How did how did this come about? Well, I think what's important, I talked to James about this last week. I mean, this process started like nine years ago with Andrew Prattley, who was at uh, Ogama Heights. And about seven years ago, when I was still the head coach over at St. Francis, um, I, I was one of the board, I still am one of the board of directors for Region 2 for our coach association, and the issue that came out is teams were having a difficult time scheduling regular season games. And I was at an all-star game uh, with another board of director and, um, and we were talking, he was from Leslie down, you know, towards the border and he was having the exact same issues. We were, you know, we couldn't find games when I was at St. Francis and uh, we were voted out of the conference. We were trying to pay teams to come up and play us and they still wouldn't pay us, play us. And, you know, I understood we were good. We were doing, you know, beating some teams and they didn't want to come up because of the six wins. Um, How much were you guys offering? <laughs> Charter buses, you know, hot dogs after the game. Um, it, it really didn't matter. We couldn't get – we offered to go down and people didn't want to play. And and what we identified uh, when we started looking at it and asking people was the six wins. You know, it's conferences started breaking up and teams started going 45 minutes. Downstate, that's a long trip, right? 45 minutes to go find a game passing teams they've been playing for years. And so um, that was really – you know, kind of the spark plug to look at, well, why is it that teams cannot find games during the regular season? Um, and so we looked at the playoffs, and it was six wins, right? And everyone's got to try to get six wins, and it didn't matter if they were an A, a B, a C, or a D. You just need six wins. Um, so we felt as though, you know, if we eliminate that six win, then we got to do something else to kind of separate people, and that's where this came to be. And I think when you look at it and look at the points, how it's structured, it's very similar to how we got the points before. Um, there's a few minor changes in it. Probably the biggest one that I told James about was the fact that in the old system, if you lost a game, there was no reward to it. You know, if if, I, if we go play Detroit Catholic Central and and we lose and they go and nine and zero, it was like, you know, even if you lost by one, if we lost to a D school, it didn't really it matter. Just an L on the we lost to. Yeah. yeah, it's just an L, and so it really didn't, you know, foster that idea. Go play, be able to go play whoever. There's a reward to it. So we can go play someone that maybe, you know, we're Division One. We will be Division One. So there is no higher, higher, um, you know, classification there. But when I was at St. Francis, it was, hey, we can go play uh, a three, 
and we can benefit from it. We lose, we'll still get some good points because they're, you know, they're Division Three. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason they might play us is because they know, you know what, they're going to get some points, you know, because they're going to win. And so it was kind of as over, as we looked at this over the last, I don't know, seven years, what kind of started coming out was you could go up two classifications and down two classifications and make things work. Well, that just opened everything up, right? If I'm a five, uh, Division Five, I can go play a seven that's really good. And there's some mutual bene- benefits there for mm-hmm. both of us. Um, same thing going up. Now, we always wanted to make sure that winning was the most important, right? You know, and some people were scared of that. Um, so some of these numbers have tweaked over the years just to try to tune in and get those things, you know, squared away. So we don't have huge anomalies anomalies on it. I go back, one of the first years we started looking at it, Muskegon Catholic, I think, was four and five. And they played four, like, Division One, Division Two teams and barely lost to them. And those teams went on and won state championships and everything. They didn't make it in eight. They were in class D, you know, division eight team that lost five games that would have just swept through it. And whether public, parochial, however you want to look at it, I mean, that was a really good team. Didn't make the playoffs, would have had a run. Um, and so I, I think this does a good job of that, you know. And, and the one thing we kind of said in our meetings as coaches is you have to suspend looking at this and saying, well, how does this help me, but how does it help the state of football? Mm-hmm. Um, so how it would have helped me as the head coach at St. Francis is different than how it helps me now as the head coach at, at Traverse City West. But overall, I think for the state of Michigan, you know, not there's no perfect plan unless the state takes it over um, or everyone gets in. Mm-hmm. But this is a step in the right direction, um, and it's got some really good backing between the athletic directors and the coaches in the state. So why did it take nine years – you, know, you said from those conversations you were having, why did it take this long to at least early on seem to develop something that seemingly has such a positive reception? Why, why, why nine years? Well, I think, and I don't know, James, if we had talked about the educational piece. I can't remember. If I talked to a couple of different people about it, but I think over the last seven years, just the education of what the plan is and what it looks like, you know, that initial initial, anytime you make this huge of a switch, we've had six wins forever. You know, it seems like forever. It's not forever. Um, you get some old timers that look at it before the six wins. There were teams that were eight and one and nine and oh, and oh my goodness, they yeah, didn't man. get in. Well, you didn't have thirty-two teams and every <laughs> right. We didn't have as many divisions. We didn't have so you have to educate. Well, this is different than the last plan that we had. You're not competing with your region. You're competing against the state. All those good things. And I think there's you know different uh, facets to it. So Mark Yule, um, now he's in charge of the MHSAA. He's seen it. The guys under him, Andy Freshour, those guys have been really um, helpful in running numbers. And so they've seen it, and, and they've gotten to know it you know, really well. Um, Jack, who was in charge before, he brought in that six win. And so you know, between the athletic directors jumping on two years ago and really saying, okay, football's a problem. We can't schedule games. It's across the state. doesn't matter what division you're in. Um, they got with us. They looked at it and said, you know what, this makes sense. Um, it's, this isn't a problem for basketball, soccer, baseball, everyone else gets into the playoffs. Football's something totally different. So I think it's just, it's been seven years of trying to educate people. It hasn't been easy. I'll tell you that going and present in front of the state and then, you know, for your 20 minutes and then finding out they voted no. Um, but I don't think it's all bad either. You know, like I said, some of the numbers that numbers have changed, which I think <clears throat> closes things in a little bit better and gives us a truer sense. Um, and, and it's our, people backing us has, has kind of gone up over that time as they've gotten used to it. Now, now one big thing that I, I was thinking about is 
Do you think that this new system with they, they changed the multipliers and like you said, when you used to lose, it was just a loss. But now, when your opponent win, if, if you, no matter if you win or lose to your opponent, how that opponent does affects your playoff points. Do you think that that incentivizes coaches to really search out better competition? Or do you think that it would just be more or less easier to schedule around because there's going to be other schools who are willing to take that risk, to say move up or move down uh, for some of these schools? Or do you think it really incentivizes stronger schedules and, and better opponents? I, I think it incentivizes you know having stronger schedules for sure. Um, but I think more so it, it means schools that are closer together can play, where they were kind of going – you know, teams wouldn't play someone else. Well, now, you know what? You're going to get points if you lose to them. They're closer. It helps with the gate. helps with transportation costs, all those things that schools are dealing with these days. Um, but I think you, you, you nailed it. I think the biggest component to this, and that's what we try to go to them, is, you know, once they split us all into divisions beginning of the year, which I think is key, is that reward portion of it. And now it's also, you know, the, the other side of that, it's based on, what division are, are they? Mm-hmm. You know, we used to use in football A, B, C, D. Well, at the end of the year, we're one through eight. Mm-hmm. It made no sense. Um, we don't use that classification. And and the problem is you look at a class A, they could be division one, division two, division three. Well, not all schedules are equal. Mm-hmm. I could go play a division three schedule, right, and they all are A's, and it looks like someone who played all division ones. Um, there is a difference. There is, there's inherently a difference there. So, you know, I do think that when you look at it, that, that – piece is probably um, the biggest component, right? To try to entice people. And that's what we want to do is entice people to schedule games. Yeah. Don't worry about winning and losing. We all want to win. Yeah. You're still going to have to win to get in. We know that. Um, but get rid of like the automatic qualifiers and get back to just play games. And the points will kind of bear out and, and the right teams will get in. Now, I know the, the, the old system, uh, the, one of the differences in the new system is that the out-of-state teams are broken into the same divisions, mm-hmm. um, whereas 1 to 8 instead of A, B, C, D, as they were before. And that kind of goes in with what you were talking about before, where you play a Division 3 and it's almost like a Division 1. Are the are playing Canadian teams the same? Because I know that was kind of one of the loopholes in the old thing, is that all Canadian teams counted as a Class A team. My understanding it is, you know, and, and everything's a little bit different there with their size schools. Their size schools are, are, are pretty, you know, pretty big. Um, but they're going to have to, my understanding, they're going to have to do it, you know, in that manner. How much does it affect, say, if you're a, you're a small school that has had a not good road, you know, and you haven't had a very good winning season, how, how is that going to affect them and make, is, is, do you think nobody's going to want to play them? You know, that was, that was discussed. I mean, in seven years, we've had almost every single discussion on, you know, well, what about this from the public school league down in Detroit and, and, and all over, um, you're still going to need to play people, you know? So you can't, the thing is you can't go chase the eight and one teams and fill your schedule. Yeah. And so it really does entice to get more geographical where you're playing the teams closer to you. And, you know, that's what we're hoping for. Um, there's going to be a transition period there, of course. I mean, it's, you know, we've got a year here. I know we've got two games we've got to figure out going into 2020. Um, we'll probably be traveling again. It's just the way it is. Um, but I'm hoping this opens things up for us um, from teams downstate that are willing to play us, you know, Division One, Division Two teams. Um, but the schools that have struggled, they're still going to be in conferences. They're still going to have people to play. Um, because, like I said, one of the biggest components to it, James, was that 
we still want a win worth more than a loss. So, you know, you can't go, you know, beating someone's still going to get you the most points, right? Even if, if they're not great. Um, whereas losing to a really good team shouldn't get you more, you know, those sorts of things. So there's merits to still playing those teams and getting Ws. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's popping into my mind, because I did the story, uh, I don't know, what was that, a couple months ago when the Northern Michigan Football Conference announced their changes, and maybe Greg can speak to this a little bit because I'm not sure how widely known these topics were among, you know, all football coaches across the state of what might or might not be coming and or if they even thought once you guys had agreed on something that the changes would actually be adopted. But the Northern Michigan Football Conference goes and adds Sault Ste. Marie and Ogemaw Heights. And part of that, Dave Jackson talked about, was because, you know, Frankfurt in particular was having a really hard time scheduling people. So had they known these changes were coming or that they would be adopted, I'm curious if that conference, I mean, obviously things can change a couple years down the road. Those, those packs only last so long. But I'm curious if they would have made the same decisions uh, that they did, knowing that this was coming down the road. Well, I think if you look back again, this has been part of our coaches' association, so it's it's been voted on, it's been presented at our clinic every single year the last seven years or so, seven to nine years. Um, as far as the athletic directors, we've taken it to them, and within the last two years, they've actually presented it here in Traverse City to their association, and I think it passed with 85, 86 percent. Um, so it's been known. I mean, it's been out there. It's it's the timeline of we thought when um, Mark Yule was taking over MHSAA, that was probably our best shot here to maybe get it through. So I think the athletic directors, I don't know for sure with the Northern Michigan Football League, but um, I, I've got to imagine they knew that was coming. Um, you know, I look at a situation like that and, and the UP, you know, they combined into a mega conference. So some of those schools, they're going to be limited with who they can play up there. So, you know, grabbing the Sioux, the Sioux, you know, the biggest schools they could play are way on the west side of the UP. So it makes sense for them to, you know, come down below the bridge and play the Trolls. And, um, <laughs> you know, Ogama, same situation. If you talk to Andrew Pratley, you know, when he was there, it's just it's a hard place geographically to, to play people. So I think even with this proposal, it's a move. It's a smart move on their part to, to kind of combine them. Now, now, I just wanted to bring this up because I thought about it earlier last week when me and James talked about it. But obviously, as a whole for football, I think it's a really good move. But I, I mean, I don't know what type of reaction you've gotten. Um, we, I've seen some stuff on Twitter from some athletes and stuff like that. But I've, I've just tried, been kind of thinking what the athlete's perspective is. I mean, I know when I started playing football in high school, it was six wins, you're in. Like, and everybody knew it. You, knew, you had a goal to reach almost. You know, it's, it's kind of easier to set that, hey, man, once we get to six – yeah, we need the conference, but like, hey, we're kind of safe. We're kind of here. I mean, how do you think that is going to change the athlete perspective or, or even the way that your team attacks the season when, you know, game one is, you know, game seven, just getting to game seven against six wins in the same, you know, game one means just as much, if not more, depending on who you're playing. I mean, how do you think that is going to change the psyche of the players? Well, I think what's exciting, what you're getting at is the end of the year games are going to matter a lot, right? I mean, across the board, because a team you played week two, you're hoping they're winning the last week of the year, you know, that they're still collecting points for you and, and building up. I think what's kind of cool is, and, and we talked about this in one of our board meetings, that the state now can have a show every Sunday and project, here's your 32D1, D2, D3, and all the way to, you know, the end of the year. And, you know, it'll be fun for people to actually follow that and see where teams are going and, and see how the point structure goes. Um, 
you know, I, I can speak for our program. We talk about being the best in Traverse City, being the best in Northern Michigan, being the best in the state when we talk about goals, um, you know, and, and we, we understand how we got to do that, right? What games you got to win in order to do that. And so, you know, I think many of our teams, and we're hoping they get into conferences, right, that there's fewer independents. So you still have that conference portion of win your conference. I think when you look at it, you win your conference, you're, you're going to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, even with ours, that's a smaller conference in the state comparably. So, you know, I think kids will still have some things to fight for, but yeah, week eight, week nine are going to matter. And it's going to matter, you know, even more the seeding portion of it with the way this breaks down. I know a few years um, that I was at St. Francis when we were working through this, I was looking at some numbers and, and I think we were either the third or fourth seed in the district. And if we had done this, we would have been the number one seed just based on who we had to play Mm -hmm. for that year, you know? And, um, you know, might that change things? Well, you know, the state a couple of years ago did away with that second game, you know, mutual agree upon place that week one, week two, week three, you can have a home game. Mm-hmm. It matters when you got to drive a distance. So points are going to matter. So there was one other thing, big change at least, with, with contact. I know a lot of practice. people, may, yeah, with practice where they limited to six hours in the preseason of hitting per week, correct? Well, obviously one session per day, which it was like that. But now it's only 30 minutes per week, and it was down from 90, I believe, from 90 to 30 now of contact during the week. I know you spoke with James last week, and, and he told me, he said, you know, not really doing that much hitting anymore anyways. But, you know, I kind of I, – I looked at it, and I just – I went back to me only, you know, graduating high school, playing high school football seven, six, seven years ago. And I just remember, you know, I wanted to go to practice and hit every day. That was that was part of it's the – legalized allure. fighting. But, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. But that, that, was part, that was part of the allure to football to me. And, you yeah. know, I, I've seen a lot of changes, you know, with concussion, and I know safety has really upped um, throughout high school football, all levels of football. Um, but – my, my big thing was, you know, I remember going to practice and wanting to hit. You know, I didn't – I personally didn't like just showing up in, say, shorts and shoulder pads and, you know, doing running drills or just, you know, half-speed stuff. I mean, you, you said you don't normally do that much. I mean, how much does that change the way that you coach? How much does that change the way that um, kids practice? And, I mean, do you think that changes the performance in a game at all? Well, so what actually really changed in that rule was the definition of contact. Okay. And that's what we were fighting for because how the state had defined contact, um, any time two players hit each other, that's full contact. Okay. And so that's where what you saw was them implement thud, which means essentially you can go out full pads as long as you don't take a player to the ground, that's thud. Um, and even when I was coaching in college, like we didn't, I don't know anyone that does full contact tackle mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got apparatuses we can use, shadow men, the tackle wheels, all those great things that are out there. And the pros are using them. Yeah. Colleges are using them. So I think from that standpoint, you're, you're not going to see a difference because there's some great techniques and drills that I wish we would have used mm-hmm. that I think actually – help you be a little bit better in those, those areas. Well, I wouldn't doubt that. I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about doing Oklahoma's and, Exactly what that did for me. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I definitely, I definitely got some frustration out. I had a few good hits here and there, and it was always good to pit one, one guy against another. But you know, well, technique and, I, and, and everything that doesn't come out there is what. Well, you're saying, and that's you know? still that you you still have that time to do that, right? There's there's a little of that you do. You want to you know whether you call it toughness or you know see who wants to you know they got the inner animal in them or whatever you want to say. You still can do that. I think once the season starts, if you're planning on, on a long road, right, getting to Ford Field, it's a long haul. You can't do that to your yeah. kids, you know. Um, you just can't. I mean, we don't have teams of 100. Um, so I think the biggest part was that thud. 
that's where you're going to learn the technique. You can still um, get after it. You just can't take guys to the ground, you know. And and I don't think, you know, honestly, I I go back to, like, when I was recruiting. If I saw an old lineman, he was on the ground, we didn't recruit him. Mm -hmm. I don't want guys on the ground, you know. So other than tackling portion, which everyone kind of, oh, the game's going to get ruined, you're not tackling, there's ways to do it and and still – you know, the Seahawks tackling and all that stuff, I think has improved the game from safety point of view. And I think the drills are better than what we used to have to go through. So yeah, that's surprising to me. So um, so getting into the, the way you get into the playoffs is, is going to be completely different. But once you get to the playoffs, it's exactly the same as it was before, right? But your playoff points determine your seed and your 32 teams per division and then go from there right yeah as of right now they're they're going to see the districts and all those exactly how they've been they've been doing it um in the past our hope is at some point they see the regions you know that's a big one uh one through eight and, and go from there again geography plays a little bit of a part but um yeah it, it, as far as how it's been seated it's exactly the same so your points are going to count the same you're going to host if you have the most points and going from there yeah i think that's going to help the regular season a lot because you're going to have you know every game counts to earning towards those, those playoff points, you know, like you said, looking at those, your your opponents, your previous opponents' games in week seven, eight, nine. Because you seem to see a lot of teams that would get to six wins, and then they were like, oh, we're the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just kind of trail off a little bit towards the end of the season and, you know, just coast I, I, I I've seen the same thing. I mean, even in my time playing high school football, you you see the, you know, I just think about it, you see the drop-off when, when you got to that point, and I think that was my point earlier, is that, you know, the first game does matter just as much as the last game, but the pressure spreads throughout the entire season. You know, I got a, you brought up the Tri-Catholic Central and gave me some bad flashbacks. <laughs> I, I went to Divine Child in Dearborn, so my, my first three years of high school, we were in Catholic 1A with Brother Rice, Catholic Central, Orchard Lake St. Mary, and we were a Division Four school at Divine Child, but we played all Division One, all-boys Catholic schools. It meant absolutely nothing for us to lose to them every year. Right. So we actually left the conference and went down to Catholic Double One a where we could beat Ann Arbor Richard and everybody who were in Division Two, Division Three. But it just goes back to think those those type of situations are now beneficial for schools in those types of divisions. And I think that's good because it actually – there was times where we, you know, I don't think Divine Child be Catholic Central for like tw- they, I, I, they still haven't. I think it's been like twenty seven or twenty eight years, I and mean, they don't even play them anymore. But it, it was destruction forever. So every time you'd walk into Catholic Central, even if it was week five and it was for our playoff thing, or if it was week eight, it was just like I'm trying not to die here. But you know what I'm saying? But if you got a week seven game against somebody like Catholic Central, it's like this is the this is the big times. I don't. It doesn't matter how many we have or what we got. We got to win this game because then we get a bunch of points. You know what I'm saying? This is exactly where you can set it up. I just think that it sets it sets the tone for the season better than I, I guess. I don't want to say the six wins is kind of just like oh, like we're done. It's good. But like I feel like it. It almost it, it makes the season feel like it's longer. If that makes any sense. Like it do, it does extend it out where. You know, week seven practices are still going to be just as intense as week three practices. Because yeah. well, I think you had a lot of teams where six wins was the finish line. Yeah. Well, and I can tell you on the on the other side of the coin, like you don't get six wins, and your team's just absolutely distraught. Mm-hmm. And it might have been a decent team, right? And you played a decent schedule, and but you lost to the teams that maybe you should have lost to. They were better teams, and there wasn't a reward to it. And you get to the end of the season, you don't have six wins. You didn't get in. 
Um, you know, the, the argument out there is, well, there's some coaches they have five and four teams or four and five teams, and they're not going to want to play in the playoffs. Uh, I know some guys out there that had some pretty good teams. <laughs> I'm that pretty sure. They would have they kept playing. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Cast Tech one year, they were five and four. They won the state championship. You yeah. know, I mean, you're, you're telling me that Thomas said, nope, I don't want to take my team and go to Ford Field. You know, I mean, <laughs> so, I, I, you know, the, the other part of this, too, that I think is kind of cool is that, you know, your conference is going to be cheering for each other because your non-conference wins are even more valuable and you want them to go play other good teams because, you're, you know, you're just continuing to get those points. So, you know, like I said, no system is absolutely perfect unless everyone gets in the playoffs or the state takes over scheduling, which they're doing for eight-man. I don't see either of those happening anytime soon. I don't think everybody getting in the playoffs is perfect. No, no I don't. That's no, not no, perfect. No, no, no. Not for football. Then you're going to see first-round games that are but, 120 to nothing. But, yeah, that's already the problem with every other sport. I was going to say, we can talk about yeah. those other sports and lead in good because there are two playoffs that got changed that everybody gets in in soccer and basketball. Yeah, and, I mean, we kind of talked ad nauseum about the, the basketball thing, you know, this past winter just because every year we would have – you know, two really good teams have to play that first night of the postseason, and at least from our vantage point, and I think from a lot of other people's, that's just ridiculous. Sure, you get that one great matchup, but then the rest of the district generally is not very fun or worth seeing uh, unless your kids are playing. Then you know, go get them. But uh, <laughs> from a totally selfish standpoint, I like that because then I got to cover two good games. Yeah, but in theory. But they, they, I mean, I feel like, especially, we, we can more explain, but I feel like they did a part of what everybody's been asking for. They did the bare for. minimum, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, they, they did a part one, but... of what everybody's been asking for, but as with this, for the football, it's a, it's a very big step in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's a good compromise. I mean, you, you separate the two top teams, so you, you, in theory, will have a district final that should have the two top teams if they take care of business. Will be district. watchable. But you, but you randomly draw the rest of it. So if you're one of those teams that's a 500 team or you know 5 and 15 or whatever, you still have a chance of playing another team that's around your area and getting a postseason win. Uh, you know, so the, the you know, those other schools have something that they can get to. I can't believe that all of this stuff got announced and approved at, the at same once. Day. <laughs> I think I think that it, it is an amazing thing. Trust me. I, when I presented there, there was about four of us coaches in a line, and I mean, it was like a firing squad. You got up, you had your fifteen minutes, you sat back down, and you're like, man, I know that's not getting. <laughs> and then but, you all walk out and go, yep, yours isn't passing, yours isn't passing. So it is amazing they passed as many as they did. I think it was twenty seven amendments that they passed on Wednesday. I mean, that spanned across basically every sport that the MHSAA does. But I think something else that I think is, has happened, which is kind of really cool is before it was the coaches of the sports pushing these changes right and i think now you're getting athletic the athletic directors group is getting involved too and saying no these are changes we want and the mhsaa is our organization so when we say hey here's things we want i think they're willing to listen now and say you know luckily they don't move too fast because that (laughs) That would be a problem every year it could change right but i think you know, you're seeing two things happening where the coaches, athletic directors are working together and trying to common sense. I mean, that's yeah. part of it. Basketball, soccer, to me, that's kind of common sense. And it goes back now. This regular season does matter for them, yeah. too. Yeah, it, that's, that was the big thing. I know Harrison said it on this podcast several times. I mean, basketball regular season really doesn't mean anything with districts. You, no, know, you, 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 know, you knew who you your first round yeah. opponent was before the season yeah. even started. Yeah, you know who you're going to play. So you're literally win your conference. and then yeah, and You don't even got to win your conference. You just got to prepare for one team technically and be ready for the playoffs. I mean, that's not how people look at it. We right. know that's not how right. competition works. But 
in the grand scheme of things, that's how it was set up to fail, basically, if you ask me. But like you said, I think that's the biggest thing is that that one and two seed, it makes a big difference. I mean, I guess it doesn't make the biggest difference if you're a one or a two seed because uh, either way, it's a random draw and it's just about beating the other good team or the other best team in your district. But you want one of those spots. Uh, I mean, and the only thing that it kind of made me mad with about two is even though that they are seeding, it doesn't do anything with hosting and it doesn't do anything with the pre-regional game. So a one seed, um, I feel like they said that depending on the region, they could still play a pre-game to get into districts. Is that right? I am not sure. And I know it said, it stated in the changes that it does not guarantee that the number one and two seeds get buys. Yeah, that's what I mean. Exactly. So there's there, there's no guarantee for buys. So they they might the have to play a first right. round game, which doesn't always happen. Right. It just it just dictates that if they won, yeah. the top two would reach the final against yeah. one another. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's when I say they did a part of what they needed to do. And, I mean, just like Greg said, going into football regionals and having to seed that. I mean, we've me and you have talked about seeding regionals. Or even even yeah. if you – even instead, yeah. of, instead of seeding districts, just seed everybody at the regional level to yeah. begin with yeah. and go from there. Yeah. That's well, the system the, that I'm used to, and I get, you know, travel costs are everybody's concern. You know, when, once you start expanding those geographical areas, you worry about, okay, how many miles is everybody putting on the team bus? But – I guess in a perfect world, yes. I I think that's hopefully a maybe a step in the future. I think I think when the state changed a couple of years ago that the regional games could be hosted at home, they threw that argument out the window because then they don't really care about the transportation costs. Yeah. You know, back back in the day, every single year we'd be playing the Superior Dome because that was quote unquote halfway between, <laughs> even though it was twenty minutes for a team in the UP. You know, it was a great experience for the kids. But I, I remember when they changed that rule, and it was like, okay, you can no longer use the argument about geography because, you know, someone's going to earn the right to have three home games, which is huge in the playoffs. You know, it's not a money grab because the state's getting most of the money, but that's that's a huge thing for you. Yeah, and for that story I did last week, I talked to Ryan Hiller, the coach on Manton, basketball coach, and one of the things he said that he wanted, I didn't have time or room to put it in that story because it was already – Pretty happy as it was. There were forty uh, people. But he, what he, the plan that he wants is he wants regionals seated. He wants all the teams in the in the region seated before mm-hmm. districts. Yep. Yes. So the top that's four. I, that's what I meant. So the fo- top four teams in each region are in separate yeah. districts. That, which, that, that, which would completely <laughs> mess up the geography part. Would, yeah. But it would, you know, it would, in theory, guarantee yeah. the most likely the four best teams get to regionals, but. I want to extend a big thank you to Greg for joining the conversation today and dropping by the studio. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, it was. And um, we're going to dive into James and Jake's interview with Kingsley's J.C. King. Uh, <clears throat> I think we talked about her enough at the top. That Probably. That's a, a good enough introduction to the interview. So we'll go ahead and give a listen to that now. All right, we would love to welcome in Kingsley's J.C. King, a multi-sport athlete for the Stags, uh, has varsity letters in five different sports, or will be earning her fifth one this spring after starting up soccer as a senior, but participated in track and field, volleyball, basketball, uh, cross country, and now soccer. So welcome on in uh, to the Get Around. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, why, didn't, why didn't you just go out for soccer or softball, too? Just, you know. I can go, go for ball. the big go for the big three. 
I cannot throw a ball straight to save my life. So, so that's the one. Except area. in basketball. Yeah, it's a, but it's that's a an arc. Ball. But that's an arc. Yeah. And then you got two hands on that. But is, 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 would you say that that would be your one weak point? Would be on a, on a on a baseball or a softball diamond? Oh yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you ever played uh, that sport when you were younger? I played t-ball. Okay. I mean, not really, but yeah. Okay, so I, I know uh, um, you, you, I know your family, your parents, uh, your sister, all very involved in running, and I'm sure you started off as a pretty young age, and that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. I know you've been uh, doing hurdles for quite a while now, mm-hmm. and also you started showing shot put. Uh, how, how much uh, were you kind of started off, you know, in that t-ball age with the running and the track, and, and how have you been raised into that, and now you're at your senior year, you know, at the pinnacle of it all? Well, my mom has been a coach ever since I was born so like I was when I was two years old I was at track meets chasing around these big huge guys like oh yeah I'm gonna beat you and they would be like no you're not you're like two years old you're fine but so so I mean I've just been around running for as long as I can remember and I mean I I never really liked it but but here we are yeah. Now, uh, that is one thing I wanted to ask, you know, with with how much that you've done, I think, James, me and you counted up, it'll be 11 varsity letters uh, by the time you're done, or is that, is that right? I don't know. Um, so It'd be four track, right? Four in track, four, four in, in basketball, basketball, and one each in cross country, volleyball. volleyball, and soccer, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a lot. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> obviously you've kind of spread yourself out over your high school career. Um, what has made you diversify so much? I mean, a lot of people are two or three sport athletes, but what has made you do so many different things, and uh, and how, how do you get through that process when you are so busy? Well, I always thought of it as the more busy I was, the less chance I would be to get involved in something that I don't want to be in. So um, during the spring is when I've always been doing two sports because I would always played AAU basketball, but this year because I was senior, I couldn't, so I was like, soccer, woohoo. So, um, so really I just, I tried it and then I fell in love with everything that I do except for running, but that's okay. (laughs) But, um, so I just, I just do what I can because I know when I'm older, it's going to be harder to be able to do everything. Mm -hmm. So, and it's also, it's going to help me when I'm older because my time management is pretty impeccable. Yeah, probably on point. It has to be. So how how ironic is it that you don't like running and your mom is the track coach? Um, I mean, she knows it. She definitely knows it. I come home and I'm like, I don't want to do this. And she's like, you can do it. Yeah, so it's it's def- definitely different. But um, my mom and my sister, Remy, they both love running and they just, it's their passion. But my little sister, Lexi, she quit track and joined golf. Okay. And my older brother, he was always a runner, but his love was wrestling. So, like, everyone in our family has their one main sport. And so my mom's is track, my sister's is track, my brother's is wrestling, my sister's, my other sister is either golf or volleyball, mm-hmm. and then I'm basketball. So, I mean, it's just athletics. That's pretty much our entire family. Yeah, is, no. is it cool having that diversity? Uh, it's definitely stressful, but yes. Yeah. Because it's not like you have everybody in the same season all the time, so it's like you can kind of maybe be a little bit more free to go to each other's events a little bit kind of as a family maybe, time. Maybe not you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I try my hardest, but my sister, she leaves halfway through the go- day during golf season because that's when their matches are, and 
I can't ever make them because I have either a meet or a soccer game after school. But during volleyball, I was there so I could get to see yeah. her games and stuff. That's nice. Now, uh, obviously, track and cross country, the running part, has kind of been, like you said, kind of an additive to you. What have you taken out of doing a sport you may not have liked so much, but it's obviously helped you on the basketball court or you know, probably on the soccer field with your endurance. Um, what do you take from that type of sport, or why would you get into a sport like that, and how much do you think it's helped the other parts of your athletic ability? Well, I know that doing cross-country and track is going to help me in the wrong one because I hate it, but I'm not every situation I'm going to be in is going to be flowers and roses. So by by doing the sports that I don't like, I think that it just motivates me more for the sports I do like because I, the year I did cross-country, I was like, oh, this sucks. And then um, I came to basketball, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's basketball season. I'm finally going to do something I actually like. And so I got more love for the other sports than I did when I did the sports I didn't like. So. Okay. And, and soccer was a sport that you came back to, right, because you played it when you were younger, right? Yeah, I played, I played like, on and off, but I played up until sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So, and I never played the position I did when I was in sixth grade. And also that the year that I was in soccer in sixth grade, I was in drama so and track and soccer. So I really didn't go to anything soccer because I really didn't have time. So I you mean, just showed up for games. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, <laughs> now, now, do you think you, you lost any of your skill in that time gap or do you think you're better off now uh, coming back to soccer when you didn't? Well, when I was in sixth grade, my mom says that I was awesome, but I really did not think I was good. I was like, this is not my sport. I cannot kick a ball, and now I guess I can kick a ball. So, <laughs> Somewhat, at least. So it looks like that really my basketball skill transferred over to soccer, not so much soccer transferred over to soccer. but Well, they both involve dribbling. Yes, but one's with feet, one's with hands. <laughs> yeah. Is it any coincidence that you joined the soccer team and, uh, and suddenly Kingsley's having one of its best years maybe ever in that sport? <laughs> um, no, because last year they had a few that went away, like Nicole, and, but um, they really were a young team and we're still a young team. So mm-hmm. the fact that we're all like actually learning how to play together and all this is, I think that's really what it is, that we're actually growing as a team. It's kind of like how basketball, like, three years ago, my sophomore year. Um, so the our girls, we, we didn't really lose any. Like, we did, we lost Haven and Allison. But that didn't really transfer on the court. But that year, we it was rough. We did not play well. And then my junior year, we made it to Final Four. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened in soccer, too is that we're actually just growing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, taking your lumps with a young team, and that turns into some uh, some productivity later on. Yeah. Now, uh, we'll talk about that other other half uh, with you doing track. And I mean, track regionals are coming up just end of the week here. Um, obviously, it's a big time of year. You, you've been doing very well. I remember at the North Kent, Northwest Conference, I was just looking at some of your numbers. With, with your hurdles, you've won a few events, um, with, you know, with uh, even the relays and stuff that you guys have run. How do you guys feel about uh, your guys' abilities going into regionals? And what do you feel about your individual chances, uh, you know, to perform on the highest level as you do as a senior? Well... I always run against Brittany Bowman, and Brittany Bowman always beats me. Unless she falls. If she falls, I have a chance. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, I mean, looking into it, I'm ranked third in, sh- in shot put. 
but I'm only, if I throw my PR, I will be, I will make it to state. Okay. And last year, since I made it in all four of my events, it's looking good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, um, Brittany, she's amazing. She's probably going to make it in everything she does. And then um, we have a few younger runners running the 100 and 200. They're looking really good. Um, our 4x8 is looking good. They, I think they have to drop one more second or something like that, and then they're, they make it to state. So this year it looks like we have a lot of athletes that are going to make it to state. Well, one thing I do want to ask you, because uh, it, is, it is a bit of an outlier what you've done. You did kind of say your time management skills are impeccable. Just for you know, other students who listen to this or anybody who's interested, how do you go about scheduling your day when – there's times where you have practice, practice, or practice game, or school game. You know, how, how do you do that, and how do you stay on top of it when, you know, you're only 17, 18 years old? So my phone and my mom help a ton in this. So I have everything in my calendar. My mom goes through, and she puts everything related to practice um, and games and meets, and everything is in my calendar. But then um, I am, so I'm the president of student council, the president of NHS, um, stand club member, a volunteer club member, and then um, I'm dual enrolled, and I take AP classes. Okay. So like, um, so every so Monday is stand club, Tuesday is volunteer club, Wednesday is student council, Thursday is NHS. So I have all that marked down, and that's like during my lunch periods. That's when that all happens and all that. So I have that all in my calendar. So I get a notification beforehand, and and then um, my mom make sure that I know which practice I'm going to. I mean, for the most part, it's pretty simple because the practice before is the practice, the practice before a game is the practice I go to. Yeah. So, um, so, and then if like, if there's two practices, but neither have a game or a meet the next day, I just split them. So my track practice is from 3.30 to 5, and my um, soccer practice is from 4 to 5.30. So I just go to track until 4 and then go to soccer for the rest of the time. Okay. So it, it's a little complicated. And then you got homework and AP test studying and uh, finals coming <laughs> up. I, that's a lot. And, I mean, my AP calc test is tomorrow, so yeah. I'm a little nervous. But um, if, if you really have your heart set into it, it's not that hard. Yeah. I mean... There's been some points that I'm like, I can't breathe because I have so much going on. But this year, surprisingly, even with doing two sports, I think it's been easier because I've actually learned how to deal with it. You're kind of like in the groove of it all now. Yeah. So I can't imagine that. That's how. That's how. Oh my gosh, I think. I I think we need a list to to put out with the podcast of everything that's going on. There's some kind of flow chart. Yeah, like yeah, like a Venn diagram here, there, trees, whatever we can make to to work this out. But all right, we with that with that being said, uh, we're gonna manage our time. We're gonna get into the freaky fast five and begin to wrap up this interview. Five rapid fire questions just to get our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. I'll start off with my first one, and just because you did say that your mom does so much for you, and yesterday was Mother's Day, I wanted to ask you, what is one of your favorite memories with your mom? Ooh, um, we went to a basketball tournament, a basketball tournament, and we were in Notre Dame, and it was just me and her, and we toured the t- campus by ourselves, we went to the shop, we just, we had a great time, it was awesome, and then we went to Olive Garden, which is my favorite restaurant, so. <laughs> Those breadsticks are gold. Who is the best athlete in Kingsley history? Brittany Bowman. 
it could be what's her name? What's her name? Olsen. Her last name's Olsen now, but I can't I can't remember. Anyway, but both of those two, they're getting records, they're they're amazing and she just excels at everything and then it's not just it's not that she's just an athlete she's an academic athlete she's very smart she knows what she's doing she's going to be an engineer someday so say about 10 years down the road maybe who will end up as the best athlete in the king family (laughs) (laughs) remy most likely because she's going to msu and she's finally getting her shot to shine because all the surgeries that she's had and the traumatic events that she's had, I think that it's definitely going to be Remy because she's finally able to actually just go. If you could if you could become any animal in the world, what animal panda. would you be in a wife? Panda, why? Giant panda. That's my favorite animal. They're so cute and they're so soft. <laughs> they get to be lazy all day, too. Uh, yes, eat food. Mm. Have you ever seen those little cute panda videos where like they fall backwards because they can't stand up? There was a job offering on Facebook that I saw, and it was like, caretaker of pandas and it's like oh my gosh or she's like I'm going to drop everything the, 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 the list is cut there's no NHS there's no student council we're going to be a panda, panda caretaker uh, alright and then what's the other there's, one I have like there's no running if you're taking care of pandas because they're true, slow true well you don't I have mean, to run depends <laughs> depends on what's going on in this corner and in that corner you might get a little angry alright so we have four questions I got one last one I gotta say I got one too so go for it okay all right, next Sunday, who sits on the Iron Throne? What? Do you watch Game of Thrones? No. See, no? Has oh, no okay. idea, so we can skip that one. You're, you're getting into the end of your uh, senior year. You only got a month, month and a half till you graduate, not even. Yeah. Actually, my principal came up to me today, and he's like, yeah, next Friday, you're done with high school. And I was oh. like, ah. So uh, what, what has changed most about you in high school? My confidence. When I was a freshman, it was iffy, and now yeah. I'm like... I, I know I can do it, so why not? And then my, my freshman year, I was like, oh, I can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. Well, now you look back and 11 varsity letters later, obviously plenty of accolades and um, moving on to play basketball at Albion College, which mm-hmm. we'll, we will talk more about another time. But uh, thank you so much, JC, for joining us here on the Get Around. Had a great time and best of luck at track regionals and in soccer and NHS and your dual enrollments and everything else that's going on. And the laundry list of any other, all those other things. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you so much. We can't, for we, can't, we can't get to all the things on the list because we only have so much time. I can't remember them, so <laughs> I, I don't know how you do. For all the scholarships, I like print off a paper and attach it because I'm not writing, I can yeah, sit there and write them all one. down. I'm like, no. <laughs> Alrighty, well, thank you so much. Congratulations and uh, good luck. Thank you. Another big thank you to Kingsley's J.C. King for dropping by the Get Around Podcast studio early Monday uh, for the conversation with James and Jake. We really appreciate the time and wish her nothing but the best as she works her magic on that crazy schedule. We've got another F Tweet of the Week for you this week, and I think this is probably the best entry we've had since we began this segment. Um... I saw the tweet come across this past weekend or whenever it was, and shame on me for not thinking it should automatically go in. It, like, the, the segment never popped into my head, but that's why James is here. He took care of it. He got it marked down. And uh, for our Audible viewers who 
our Audible viewers know about this segment we've been doing for, I don't know, a couple months now, just in terms of a local athlete or coach or uh, something like that, uh, just making a good original content tweet. Um, we like to share it on this podcast. And uh, Mac Buell, who went to Traverse City, St. Francis, he had a really great one in which he took a picture of the Breakfast Club cast and imposed the names of the Traverse City schools atop their characters. So, you know, depending on your views of that movie and how you interpret each character, make of it what you will. Uh, but in any case, it's a really good one. James, I'll let you uh, describe for our audible viewers. Yeah, so it's the main five characters from The Breakfast Club. Uh, he has uh, labeled Andrew Clark, who is uh, Emilio Estevez, as Trevor City St. Francis, because that's where he went. Um, he's in the middle of the photo, and then you've got Molly Ringwald as Claire Standish, uh, Marcus Trevor City West. Um, Allison Reynolds, played by Ellie Sheedy, is TC High, not TC Central. And then um, Anthony Michael Hall, who played Brian Johnson in that, is marked as Grand Traverse Academy. And last but not least, John Bender, who is played by Judd Nelson, who is the, the loser <laughs> the, the, in, in the movie. Uh, I guess not the loser, but the, you know the guy who got in trouble a lot and everything. He's marked as Traverse City Central. Noticeably absent from this Traverse, Traverse City, City Christian. Christian. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe we we'll have to talk to Mac and ask him if there's a little bit of a rivalry there. Or maybe maybe, that, maybe that's just I. maybe that's just because it wasn't a Christian school in the movie. You know, could be, could be. I'd be interested to know why he went TC High over TC Christian. So, but uh, yeah, this was just a very quality tweet. Kudos to Mac for uh, the original content and, and putting this one together. So if you haven't seen it, he's at. Buell Mac, B-U-E-L-L-M-A-C, under the uh, handle of Faux Shizzle. Faux Shizzle. So, check that out. Uh, P-H-O, like you know, Korean Faux Shizzle. Perhaps uh, uh, let us know if you have some diff- different um, ways that you'd like to align those uh, schools atop that cast picture from the Breakfast Club. Yeah, uh, make your own. Yeah. Maybe we should see like a Northwest Conference one. Or maybe like we should just Conference open one. this up to, you know, all movies and yeah. Yeah. people. You guys have yeah. seen the mean trend. I want I want to we've been asking you guys for gifts and memes and I need original I need original content here. That's what we're looking for. Pull out your Photoshop, pull out your Microsoft Paint, type some words over some things. You know the deal. Meme Pretty generator. Easy. Yeah. That works too. But, uh, yeah, definitely would be funny on a local level to see a few more uh, creative uh, things like Mac put out on Twitter. So, again, thanks for that. Latest class of the Get Around Podcast Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. And, man, did we have a hard time uh, yeah, divvying up the, uh, or I guess selecting the candidates for this week's enshrinee. Uh, there was a lot of performances last week. There were a lot of incredible performances. You really can't go wrong with who to choose. We do have to preface with one performance because she can't make it back into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's Frankfurt's Natalie Bigley. She got into the Get Around Podcast Hall of Fame last week and then followed up Get Around Bump. Get Around Bump. Get Around Bump. She hit five home runs in one doubleheader and had 13 RBIs. Three of those five home runs came in successive plate appearances. Two of which were grand slams. Yeah. So um, 
I mean, I guess I could probably safely say that if she weren't ineligible for last week's induction, she even oh, yeah. regardless yeah. of the other crazy uh, numbers we have here from the other. I mean, uh, that's in the state record books where... that she would um, be a shoe in again. Yeah, I'm again, I'm pretty sure she would. Win. What I, we mean, would... I think now we should just upgrade her to the VIP section. I was going to say, at the very least, she has solidified her standing as a platinum member. Yeah, and, oh, maybe, okay. and maybe in All like right. about three or four years, bottle service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, th- uh, yeah. That's, a, that's a good years. estimation. Good estimation. Good. I, I had to double check your math there, James. I'm going to throw Charlevoix's Madeline Sanderson, uh, pitcher for Charlevoix. She had an outstanding game and a six-one win over Mason County Central on Saturday. She pitched. All six innings, gave up just four hits, zero earned runs, and she struck out 16 batters. I'm going to go with Lake Leona, St. Mary pitcher, Shannon Pop. They have played in the, uh, they hosted the Chris Pop Memorial Tournament, which is named after her mother who passed away from cancer. And she uh, was playing in a travel tournament, I believe it was, uh, and didn't get in back into town until Friday night at midnight in Traverse City. Had to pitch the next morning, I think at 9 or 10 a.m. Allowed six runs in the first inning. And then pitched all the rest of the tournament and did not allow a run after that. Um, and they went out and won that tournament. They beat they beat Portland St. Patrick, who's a legit softball team. Five, five to nothing, I believe it was, in the uh, in the championship game. Um, you know, they allowed those six runs in the first inning to Hale and then won 19 to 6 after that. Um, she was also productive for them at the plate. Um, she had a no-hitter going that second game against Portland St. Patrick until they got one hit in the last inning. And then she got the last batter of the game to pop up in the infield, and she caught the last out in the tournament and named for her own mother. Jake, I know you have a, a name that we threw out there uh, last week. He did he got denied entry. Can't come in the club. To the most exclusive club in Northern Michigan last week. Maybe he gets in I'll say this his, week. His, name, his name might just be on the list this time. This time around, uh, rather than Jake Riggs, last week we put him in for an outstanding pitch, a couple of outstanding pitching performances. I put him up for a bunch of strikeouts last week. He didn't even need to step to the mound this week to impress. Against in a doubleheader against Marion last week, same day, he went eight for eight with two home runs, five doubles, a triple, and eight RBIs. So if we're not going to look at Bigley on the power side. Every hit was for extra bases. Every hit's for extra bases. You, you forgot the, the point about how those two home runs were different, too. Oh, I... One cleared the fence. You're normal. Oh, yeah. One was inside the, the park. One was inside the park home run. Yeah, so this is like doing it all. Power and speed. speed. Yeah, get, getting it straight getting it on the base paths. Uh, obviously, one of the uh, more talented kids in our area has been just tearing it up from the mound and the plate. Well, I like my candidate. Uh, I'm not going to vote for my own candidate. I'm going to vote for Mr. Riggs out of Brethren. James, are you going to – I mean, I'm assuming Jake's going to vote for his own candidate, but I didn't, I'll, so. I'll, I'll, I'll assume that he will, but I'm going to vote for Pop. Yeah. Oh, just for, okay. Just for, just for the sake of uh, putting the pressure on me. Just, you know, just to so you're gonna keep, give yourself keep the, the win. excitement going. Are you going to vote for me keep and make mystery. this a really awkward tie? <laughs> We've had those so many, too many times, actually. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my namesake. I'm gonna give it to my boy Jake Riggs. Uh, has thoroughly impressed me this season. I know he's impressed you guys. I feel like this is like the third time we've basically put him up for it. Uh, so finally getting in, and I mean we got to keep our eye out for this kid. Well, congratulations, Jake Riggs of Brethren. You are the latest inductee into the get around. 
Podcast Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. And we've just got kind of really one uh, quick bad induction brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich with the Jimmy John's in. Just one other order of quick business to take care of, and that's a trifecta. And Can't leave it out. The, the breaking news on Monday on the national scene was... Jake Adnip was up before 9 in the morning. Yes. <laughs> well, that that's right up there. Uh, but it was the news coming out of Ann Arbor, the basketball coach, John Beeline, announcing his decision to sign as the new head coach of the NBA's Cleveland Cavaliers, breaking the hearts of many Wolverines, I'm sure. And Jake will not be shedding any tears no, quality quality coach. I never had a problem with Beeline. He always ran Funniest good part stuff, I, that I heard already was the report that he's leaving in large part because he can't continue to work in the same building as Jim Harbaugh. That's a good one. I, I literally heard that. On like the a radio. legit report? Yeah. Oh, I... <laughs> I, I think the I think I think the big, I mean, the, always, the big exodus of, of his of his young guys yeah. with Brad Brad Zdakis and Charles Matthews and stuff like that. I think that had a bit to do with it too. Obviously, you take that with a grain of salt. I yeah. just thought it was it was. Pretty I know, funny. I know, I couldn't work. But in the same uh, so the question, just real quick, guys, is can he have any success? And this is, has nothing to do with his ability to coach basketball. Ironically enough, um, can he have any success with the Cavs? And if so. To what extent? I think any chance of success he has with the Cavaliers, which we know when they don't have LeBron, doesn't go well, uh, is predicated on them getting the number one pick and getting Zion Williamson. I think it goes. I know this sounds crazy, but I don't think he's going there to succeed. I don't think he signed up to go to Cleveland. I kind of, I, I know, think, I, I, feel I, like think I know where you're going with this I, point, and I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah, and I think, I think he's more or less in the twilight of his career. I think he's 66 years old. Uh, I mean, most guys in the college circuit are once they get around seventy, it's tough to do year-round recruiting, all that type of stuff. Um, I mean, he obviously has built a heck of a program in Michigan, all-time winning as coach at the University of Michigan. So, he, I mean, he's he's leaving behind a fantastic legacy. It's not like he left in the middle or anything. You know, he was successful at Michigan. I mean, they may not have gotten as many titles or you know Big Ten championships or whatever they wanted from it. But um, I mean, he's turned Michigan into a different program than it was in the '90s, which I think everybody. Um, really enjoyed, but I don't think it was about him going down there to be successful. I think it was about him wanting to coach in the NBA and taking the shot. In terms of wins and losses, despite him being a fantastic coach, um, you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of success coming for Beeline in Cleveland. Uh, but sort of like you said, Jake, I think this is, you know, he's taking his opportunity to say, "I did it." You know, I, I took my best shot at it with the opportunity presented to me, and. Um, well, I'm sure he would tell you differently. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is his chance to go to Cleveland to put his thumbprint, with, you know, because of the lack of superstar talent, and say, this is my team. The team is going to be run how I want it to be run. And then he's just going to let the chips lay where they may following that formula. And, um, you know, if he can be happy with that. Uh, regardless of how many wins and losses are stacked up at the end, well, then maybe for him it will have been a success. I certainly don't see any titles coming out of Cleveland, even if he makes the full five years. If you're gonna put, God, no. if you're gonna put a number, or a, a number, and pair it with success, if he makes one playoff appearance, yeah, that's a huge that, success. For, for me. That's that's if I, he I, makes I one, like even if it's an eight seed and they get swept, that to me is success. This has been episode 81 of the Get Around Podcast. 
I've been your host, Brett Summers, alongside me, James Cook, and Jake Atnip. Thanks, and have a good one.